Hello, my friends. Shauna Tucker here welcoming you to our latest edition of Electric Violin Shop's Rockstar Violinist podcast, sponsored by Codabo, the top maker of carbon fiber bows. Our latest episode features Miguel Atwood Ferguson, violist, violinist, arranger, music director, producer, and educator. Miguel has recorded on over 400 albums, films, and TV commercials, and worked with the likes of Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder, Quincy Jones, Henry Mancini, Wayne Shorter, Billy Higgins, Ray Brown, Dr. Dre, Flying Lotus, Ooh, so it's this long hiatus, Coyote, Sly Stone, Bilal, George Clinton, and countless others. I met with Miguel in Los Angeles to discuss the music and his philosophy and perspective on how he incorporates so many genres and influences into his signature string sound and compositional output. Here's what he had to say. On the, um, the splash page of Miguel's website, there are, there's a selected discography and I don't know, mm. I'm just making an assumption that the mm. selected mm. might mean that there's still some stuff on that's in your discography that's not even on that page. Right. Okay. I discovered so many albums like where you're either a session musician or an arranger, producer, composer, like the new Marvel comic series, Luke Cage, mm. or one of my favorite Showtime shows, Dexter. Oh, several yeah. Several seasons. What? Or Battlestar Galactica, Disney's The Wild, um, the movie The Birth of a Nation. Come on, man. I, the list is, this list is so long. There's video game music credits. He's, been, he's worked with composers, producers, um, Quincy Jones and David Foster. And, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm name dropping so hard. I know this. I know this. But there's you stay working. Do you ever sleep as an independent artist? And... And I'm, I'm, this is true. You're, you're not represent, you're self-represented, yes. But you're still doing large, largely a lot of your, you're on the phone on your own behalf, a lot. Yeah, even, even with my manager and my senior consultant, mm -hmm. and I have two different booking agents, I have an assistant. So, um, and now I'm signed with, with this publishing company. Mm -hmm. Even with all these people working on my behalf As like, your every team, day. You're still I still, hustling. Yeah. yeah, I mean, hours a day of admin, yeah. yeah. Tell us about your, your evolution into all these different yet related musical zones, mm. especially as a classically trained violist. I'm, mm -hmm. And I'm making assumptions because I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume and have you tell me that no, actually I started this way. But as a violist, mm -hmm. how did you get from here to, mm -hmm. or you know, from just playing viola to mm -hmm. this long list of slashes and dashes and right. <laughs> many hats. So being in this musical um, landscape, it was natural for me at four years old to want to wanna play the, the violin. I was at a Suzuki Institute. I was gonna ask you about and you started Suzuki. Yeah, I did, and my mm -hmm. brother was a pianist doing okay. Suzuki. So I saw all these young kids playing violin. I'm like, well, that's where it's at, I, you know. Yeah. You know Funny enough, cello is my favorite instrument. Is it now? Yeah, I, um, Did you guys hear that? Yeah. <coughs> okay. Cello is my favorite <laughs> instrument. I do play the cello, uh -huh. and I, I do practice. I saw that it's, on the way in. Yeah, yeah, that's my sister's like three-quarter size it cello. Is. That's that's what and, I'm playing right now. And for right those now. also of you that, have, that one day you will you may see Miguel Atwood Ferguson in person. He is like seven and a half feet tall. So <laughs> to be playing on a, yeah. a cello that is not full size, yeah. you're like playing a viola yeah. da gamba. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, to answer your question, that transition came from 
doing doing the classical thing and my love for classical music grows every day i practice it practically every day mm -hmm. i love it um i rather approach it as almost like a hobby mm -hmm. than to do it for a living yeah i mean i i, I love that music so much but when it comes to the music that I want to present around the world, um, it just happens to be more influenced by classical music, mm -hmm. but not necessarily be in, in that genre mm -hmm. uh, specifically. Um, yeah, so I just started branching out um, in, in high school. In high school. Yeah, so. And was it, <clears throat> because you had mentioned that your parents listened to pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 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 think, uh, I think that was the unsaid. Mm -hmm. They definitely want me to pursue classical music and for whatever reason both my parents um, felt like that was the best music and perhaps the safest uh, path for me hmm. um, they're Safest. wrong yeah they're just yeah they're just flat mm. wrong it's okay you know um, you know he's just, like I love just, you mom I yeah, love you dad yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah just, <laughs> just <saying>. yeah <laughs> either or was it Louis Armstrong you would say there's two kinds of music you know good and bad right. and obviously much more than that everything in between but so either it moves us or it doesn't right you can call it whatever you want right it was my uncle that really turned me on to like John Coltrane and mm -hmm. Art Blakey and then that's when like my world just shifted yeah and just really opened up yeah you know because I grew up on like some Motown and Jimi Hendrix yeah and I mean that stuff is so beautiful and just so infinite and transcendent mm -hmm. of, of those genres mm -hmm. but it wasn't until like I got into jazz did did I start to be able to like put two plus two together yeah and then like various you know world music and, and stuff like that but mm -hmm. um yeah probably yeah high school was when I first started playing in, in bands mm -hmm. you know played bass in the jazz band and yeah I was about it, to say yeah. did you like show up with your viola and like uh, I know this might look a little weird as you're standing next to the alto yeah. saxes, but yeah. I'm gonna take a chorus and then you know, yeah, I'll be good. I can comp. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was 16. Uh -huh. Yep, yeah. It was very fun, and you know, uh, had my fishman pickup, mm -hmm. just not knowing anything about anything, and just just sheer passion and yeah. just. Where do where do you, how do you take your skill set? Um, in uh, the application of, of strings mm -hmm. and put it into producing. Oh, yeah. And DJing. Yeah. How does that, how does that work? Yeah, well, essentially more what I do is um, I, I go through most of my recordings. I have mostly CD. Um, mm -hmm. I, have, I have some vinyl, and I make all these different playlists. Dig it. And, uh, you know, so I have thousands of um, CDs and you know I love to, to listen and learn so I'm constantly like filing mm -hmm. and, um, and then I'm simply selecting what songs to, to play mm -hmm. at w whatever radio show I'm doing or mm -hmm. engagement um, so that's officially a, a selector a DJ um, has a, a more I was gonna say more creative mm -hmm. um, skill set 
uh, or I, I should just say a different skill set, which means that they're they're doing more things on the fly. I see. Uh, a DJ in, in like the more creative sense of the word will be doing all sorts of creative things on the fly, like changing tempo and mixing things mm -hmm. together mm -hmm. and um, scratching and so. Um, so th you know, things of that nature. Putting the headphones on in between your shoulder and chuka chuka. I mean, not at this point. I mean, I, I have <laughs> I have done some. It's it's really uh -huh. fun, uh -huh. but like I'm I'm starting slow. I'm taking baby steps, it. and it's just so fun. You are moving the crowd. Like it's like you're sort of moving, and there's an there's an energy that mm. that goes into the thought process of creating a playlist. Yes, I would think. Yes, yeah. Right, your performance where I saw you mm -hmm. at the Blue Whale in Little Tokyo in Los Angeles. Thanks for going to that show. It was great. It was, it was, I want you to tell me about this ensemble mm -hmm. that was like part big band and with horns and rhythm section with drum, bass, piano, mm -hmm. and then there was another percussionist, I think, and yeah. then there was a dude that was making beats in the back or, or something. Mm -hmm. what, how is your brain working to fit all those people into? And yeah. then you had a what did you had a five string? Mm -hmm. Electric. Yeah. Okay, talk to me. Yeah. Let's talk. Well, about that. Um, yeah. So that night uh, we were playing some of um, my music that I'm working out for um, my debut album, Le Jardin Mystique, The Mystical Gardens, and so growing up in this classical um, paradigm, you know so blessed to listen to orchestral music and, and be inside the the belly of these orchestras. I mean, there's nothing yeah. like that. I just, I yeah. just really, I really love that and relate to that. And, um, so the colors of all these instruments, I, I think are, uh, closely related to like all the, um, the different types of people there are in the world, hmm. you know, and so like, like person, so yeah. each instrument yeah. has a personality. Yeah. Interesting, and, yeah. but it and it so but going with that particular ensemble mm -hmm. is that it was mostly you were the only string player. Yeah, but you're saying that each of these instruments have a personality. Yeah, similar to humans. Yeah, walking and contributing yeah. to yeah. the conversation or to your world. So how does that? How how does how do you write for that ensemble? Do you say oh this. This mm -hmm. is the conversation that we were having, or I want to talk about this, or this is a mm -hmm. story that I'm going to tell. Mm. How, do, how does that have? I, I sing get everything. Into your mind a little. You sing everything. Yeah, I sing. I sing um, or hum everything I write mm -hmm. because um, I'm. What I'm able to readily sing or or hum means that it's more essential. You know, because I can write some heady stuff, mm -hmm. and it might be kind of cool. But I don't think it's going to touch my soul and other people's soul as uh, deeply. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I learned. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, Mr. PC Paul Chambers, mm -hmm. when he takes these solos, he's using the bow a lot, mm -hmm. and he hums. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's many musicians throughout time, I mean, thousands of people that do this. But I was so deep in the train and, and just aesthetically relating to that music that I was um, just influenced by these people very much. And so listening to PC, I'm like, wow, well, if he does it, let me try it. And so that's when everything started to come together. Is Did it tend to make more sense? Like, oh, 
if I can sing it, then yes. I can play it. And if I can play it, I should right. be able to sing it. Right. And then you're internalizing. Right. And so then I started to do that with my writing. Which intent. Yes. Go Manifest. to a totally different level. Yeah. 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 And just unify. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's like we were constantly studying all these various, um, all these, all these uh, amazing aspects of what goes into our artistry. And it's great. But we still have to unify it all right. and put it into a context that can be uh, delectable um, for people, including ourselves. And uh, so that's when things really started to come together for me is when I was humming and playing. And so to get back to your point, though, in terms of my ensemble, that's, mm -hmm. that's how I put it together. And um, it's about colors and like in cooking, you know, there's a concept of umami, mm -hmm. you know, taking like sweet, sour, salty, like different things like that mm -hmm. to be able to um, satisfy different quadrants of our taste and it's the um, combination of these effects that can be like really pleasing mm -hmm. and so if, you, if we're able to study these different aspects of taste um, we can apply them mm -hmm. at will and, and we're not just doing the same thing over and over mm -hmm. again and mm -hmm. you know that's that's one thing that I really work hard on is to be able to have diversity in yeah. my compositions. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of great artists out there, really amazing artists um, that release music and almost every song on, on their album sounds really similar. And that's not a problem. I mean, it, it's awesome. But I want to be somebody that has uh, so much perspective and um uh capability of just depth as a human being that yeah. I'm able to um express myself um in a lot of different ways so that all goes into orchestration and yeah. so yeah that's that's what we're trying to get to in the music is just uh, empower ourselves and mm -hmm. empower other people and um I want people to f to feel happy that they were born as who they we're born as mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. let's let's go all in into something else yeah or compare themselves to yeah. other people and like wish they were somebody else or like yeah. try to be something that they're not just like do you and just keep on um digging into the dignity uh, of your own life and things work out you know hard work and uh like really learn how to love yourself i think it's a it's an infinite thing We're going to take a moment to introduce you to our podcast sponsor, Kodabo. Kodabo is the premier family of carbon fiber performance bows for violin, viola, cello, and bass. With a deep commitment to supporting the string community from day one, Kodabo unites the time-honored traditions of bow making with the future of advanced materials to pioneer a family of bows unsurpassed in performance and beauty. Electric Violin Shop sells a wide variety of super strong, super responsive Coda bows for every style of playing and budget, from the diamond to the jewel and the prodigy. Learn more at CodaBow.com or shop and buy your next bow at electricviolinshop.com. And now, back to our interview with Miguel Atwood Ferguson. What's, what's your gear like? What do you, what, do you, you still have a Fishman? Or I forget what you, the what's name. your setup now? I, uh... So there's like three or four different levels of um, of like set setup I have based upon um, how loud things uh -huh. are. I mean, yeah. definitely okay. um, volume pedals, definitely yeah, something compressors. that uh, 
the volume pedal is really nice so I can like also use it as an on and off switch. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, and then I, you can have a couple gradations of, mm -hmm. of sound, you know, like maybe like an ensemble volume, then like a solo volume. Mm -hmm. But um, so I also use the the five string um, when I'm playing in a space and I just want to use like the most pedals because there's mm -hmm. something. Maybe it's just my lack of understanding how to use the pedals, but I feel like there's a clarity mm -hmm. that I can get with the electric violin and the pedals that don't speak as well mm -hmm. when I'm using like my acoustic uh, instruments. Mm -hmm. And so then the next level of loudness is when I'm playing my violin or viola, my acoustic violin or viola, and then I'll use a pickup. What's your amazing yeah. definition? Uh, I, the other thing that I do uh, quite a lot is just use um, a DPA lavalier mic. Mm -hmm. And so then that's the, the softer oh. thing I can Where do. Do. You, do you put it on your instrument or do you put it on your body? On yourself? Oh, I, I put it uh, on the instrument. Okay. And um, so it's essentially... And it's for the instrument. It's not yeah. okay. I yeah. got confused when you said lavalier. Instrument. Oh yeah. I'm, thinking I'm gonna clip it to yeah, the shirt. Exactly. And then it's gonna right. But DPA right. mics are yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. In the best oh, way possible. Yes. Those are like yes. that's the best that mm -hmm. I sound. Mm -hmm. Um it, you can even sound better than acoustic that way. Even though you're playing the acoustic yeah. instrument. Yeah. You know, as string players, we don't want to be worrying about uh, feedback. No. You know, like it's so no. so annoying uh, and it's so jarring. I was about you to know? say it, it like instantly gets you out of the your game face because you're just like I don't know what I don't know what the pressure I don't know what the breaking point is going to be. Right. Where, and I don't know how to fix it. Yeah. Because I I'm not in control of my own sound. I know yeah. what I'm supposed to sound like, but yeah. then your whole game is wrecked. Yeah. 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 Just a little feedback. Yeah. So. What what advice or suggestions would you give string players who are looking to shift from like completely acoustic slash mm -hmm. unplugged to amplified or just like jump mm -hmm. in and go electric? Like how does mm -hmm. what what would you yeah. how would you how yeah. did you start? Mm -hmm. What would you say? Yeah, well, just a, a couple basic things. Um, I'm interested in a transcendent sound like. I specialize in acoustic viola. I love the viola. Um, I still play a lot of violin. I love the violin and I play keys and bass. And I love those instruments so much. But I'm looking to have like a, um, I'm not saying I do, but I want to have a transcendent uh, voice on mm -hmm. these instruments. And mm -hmm. when people hear me play, like one of my favorite things to do is sound like a flute, mm -hmm. you know, like by not really pressing down all the way um, with our bow we can sometimes people will call it like flotando but it's all it's a different tone that i get it's mm -hmm. it's i it sounds like bow harmonics to me mm -hmm. um and people like i'm actually able to fool people now like i've i've worked <laughs> at this for so many years and i can get it so consistently mm -hmm. that people think they're actually listening to a flute wow and that's i really love that sound it, and then just to go back and forth with all these different colors you know i relate to that my point though is that like i'm not trying to necessarily sound like a, a viola or a violin or a cello mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that i'm not interested in playing clean like i, I work yeah. on yeah. you know really playing in tune and having like a very nice tone but um so my point though is that uh y 
you don't necessarily have to seek out a teacher that plays your instrument. Mm -hmm. But yeah. if you do, you feel like your um, like your electric violin is a different instrument from your acoustic violin. Yeah. Okay. And 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 so that's kind of helpful, I think, for people who are who who maybe trying to figure out if they can make the shift or should they make the shift is to go into it knowing that it's not like, oh, I play violin, so I'm going to play electric. Oh, right. Yeah. And it's yeah. the same thing for, you know, all of you classical geniuses out there. Just because <laughs> you are a classical music genius doesn't mean that you can automatically just go play jazz. That's the other thing that's mm -hmm. really funny. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. So funny. <laughs> um, so it's not automatically translatable. Yeah, and it's not necessarily easier. <laughs> right. Um, but the other two things I was going to say real quick is um, in terms of uh, recommendations, making this, uh, this you know, joyous leap into uh, <laughs> imp improvised music or mm -hmm. any genres that um, get in, in touch with like your voice even if you're playing classical music like if you can sing and hum what you're playing um, but that really is I, th I think the, the fastest way to get in touch with your with your own um, likes and dislikes um, and you know practice different scales that can work in different genres you know like the pentatonic the minor pentatonic scale one minor three perfect fourth perfect fifth minor seventh octave was the scale that I started shedding that I found um, really allowed me to play in any genre of music mm -hmm. um, uh, with the most ease um, and um, Explain yeah. pocket like, yeah. quickly for the yeah. people that, yeah. that that are like I don't huh what oh yeah changes what yeah. huh um, what's a pocket yeah well uh, again I'm not an authority um, but one of the ways I would explain pocket is um, where something where a musical phrase is um, fitting mm -hmm. into uh, the beat rhythmically and also with the feel of mm -hmm. it because. Most important is the feel of it's everything is, you know, even in classical music, it's still it's the feel mm -hmm. it's there's the written note in the case in, in classical music or most classical music. But then there's the feeling of that note. Mm -hmm. And there's like it's like like looking at the cello suites, the Bach cello suites right. just on the page. Yeah. And then once you start playing it, you're like, what? what yeah. was, Bach was getting down yeah. back yeah. in the day. Seriously. I mean, it's like you can like. It's. I think it's mm -hmm. not. It's okay to say that these some of these mm -hmm. composers were really jamming. They were yes. like getting yes. it in. Yes. Because of the feel. Yes. And the pocket. Yes. And when it's right. Yeah. It's like you. I know yeah. it's classical music, but yeah. your shoulders start going. Yes. You're like what? Yes. You feel like you're at a hip hop yeah. concert or something. Just like yes. listen to a group. It's a groove. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's a highly intimate and personal thing, and I don't want to tell how, I don't want to tell someone how they should groove or feel pocket. But my point, though, is that let's educate ourselves um, to be aware of our pocket, and hopefully we can that we have one. Oh yeah, and, and more look than one to find it, yes. right? To find them, yes, yeah. and to yeah. develop it. So yeah, the word pocket can refer to you know, um, kind of like the yeah uh, the feel mm -hmm. in, in regards to rhythm and time. Um, and sometimes uh, a pocket 
can be like danceable and mm -hmm. it could be like um like james brown or something mm -hmm. um yeah um yeah that's an interesting question how to define pocket um i know it's like yeah. something that's like it's it's not so much like the two types of music because because there's more than one pocket mm. so it's not like but it can right. be like either you have it or you don't and it's very and it's not that it's like a, an intrinsic thing that you're either born with the pocket or you're not. It's not that. You just have to find where where yeah. your pocket is in the given situation. Because as Very you said, well said. it's going to change. It will change. Very well said. But I've... you have to be malleable. Like, you have to be okay yes. with knowing that yes. you have several. Not just, yes. this is my pocket. I'm going to come in here right. and do my pocket it's, every time. Otherwise, yeah. you're not going to do what you mm -mm. yeah it's not gonna work it's, it's not gonna it's not gonna be <laughs> not fun gonna times uh, for you for or anybody the, no for, no fun i was and then also i'll say uh, to develop the skill set to know how we can develop our pocket mm -hmm. and that's the thing and just whether it's our pocket or any aspect of our um, skills like that's that's the thing it's Masterclass with uh, one of my favorite musicians and um, a great educator, one of one of the greatest pianists of the last hundred years, mm -hmm. Kenny Barron. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Really, really exquisite, you know, pianist. I mean, what pianists like freak out over him. I mean, he's mm -hmm. really in a league of his own. He's really, <laughs> oh, Kenny Barron. Kenny Barron. yeah. He's, I mean, he's so exquisite. Yeah. So, just to paint the yeah. picture, to be clear. Yeah. This is a classical viola student yes. coming to a master class yes. with one of the yeah. finest pianists. Yeah. Jazz pianists. Yeah. Jazz pianists, yeah. but I think it's yeah. fair to say for in yes. your world, yeah. it, period, in yeah. the last hundred yes. years. Yeah. I, okay. All right. Painting the picture. Yes. Right. Yes. And so I was asking, and I asked him, I'm like, how does one improve one's rhythm? Mm -hmm. And he said, either you have it or you don't. And it was so embarrassing. Like I, you know, I'm I'm there in that room of like a hundred people, yeah. and and like you know everyone's standing up to ask their questions. So I, and it was just like that. And then we just kind of like moved on. I mean, it was okay. Thank you. Okay, bye. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And so, okay. <laughs> so luckily in that oh moment, luckily in that moment, I knew that he was wrong, mm -hmm. and um, I didn't let it, you know crush me or embarrass mm -hmm. me too much but rhythm in a way kind of is king you know like even harmony but well, there's there's rhythm within harmony yeah you know but timing timing yeah. is it's, it's everything it's really that's why they say it because it really <laughs> is you know it's like if you've never been introduced to syncopation how mm. do you know that you either have it or you don't it's like you have to be able to get that into your mm -hmm. pulse it's got to, it's you have to develop it like anything mm -hmm. else people say they can't dance i can't stand it when people say they can't sing because right. i'm like dude every, yes. if you're a human yes. and you have vocal yes. cords you can sing yes but you know we 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 look at life like it's a mirror and we say if i can't do it like that that means right. i can't do it and that's not true you just have to but when you're playing with others you can play well with others by developing that thing and there are ways to do it yes but i want yeah. you to talk about the codex and oh, yeah. how you can get it 
Oh yeah, it's uh, it's free. It's something that um, I started developing for my improvising string quartet um, for us to um, work on our intonation and work on um, uh, becoming better improvisers and mm -hmm. just more expressive players. And then it just became such a passion uh, project that um, I just started releasing it for free. And I, I will publish it someday. And I'm working on one of just my original phrases too. Mm -hmm. But basically, um, every time I hear a phrase, um, and I'm going to start developing more of like rhythmic, uh, yeah. uh, you know, phrases as well. But so far, it's just only been melodic um, phrases. And so, whether I'm listening to Bach or some beautiful uh, Persian flute music or any music I'm listening to, and, and I hear a specific phrase that jumps out to me and it has like some type of like unique qualities mm -hmm. that I think are like highly personal or like something like really interesting with mm -hmm. it um I transcribe it mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it's this has been a really fun thing though the phrase codex that's 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 what I, I call it and so yeah it's it's like I don't know almost 2,000 measures now like you know it's, it's 54 pages and I have it for you know every different clef or whatever, and the the point though is to take one of these phrases and put it through every key, um, with or without the metronome, mm -hmm. and try it in different um, tempos, and it just is such a joyous thing. Like it gets you in touch with yourself, and that's the point. Is that whether you're studying with somebody or mimicking somebody, it's to get to the rival place of of, of hugging yourself mm -hmm. and like how awesome we are as an individual mm -hmm. and to um, to really keep on developing what we have to add you know to the the global I mean to this world to mm -hmm. this world and like the this ongoing beautiful passage of time um, you know that we're experiencing uh, uh, we have something to add you know mm -hmm. our, our perspectives mm -hmm. really matter mm -hmm. and it's really sad if we don't have the uh, um, self-respect or the discipline or any of these attributes to to speak our voice, you know. So this phrase codex is also a celebration of all these amazing spirits that um, we're around now mm -hmm. and that have come before us. And it's so fun to like play one of these phrases and then you put it in a different key. It's, it's almost like, like a different phrase. And then also, there's this beautiful thing that happens when you take a beautiful phrase and then you take it in a different key, whether you're going down by half steps or going up by whole steps, mm -hmm. it takes on a life of its own and it's, kind of, it's, it's, it's like string yoga, mm -hmm. you know? And, th and then when you go back to... String yoga. Yeah, that's another <laughs> name I have for it. Um, and then when you go back to compose your own music or you go to improvise, and you, you're going to be so much more free and, you know, hopefully enjoy the space. Mm -hmm. You know, we tend to fill up too much space, mm -hmm. you know, as uh, improvisers, mm -hmm. you know. So it's, uh, it helps us be able to breathe more, yeah. you know. So, it's, yeah, it's just a fun a fun. I'm tool. getting one, especially now that you said that, it, that it's in every clef, because the one that I saw was for yeah. C instruments and then it was in treble clef, and I was like, okay, I guess I could... Oh no! Transcribe this. Oh no! Yeah, it. Is it on your is it on your website? Uh, every six months on my Instagram, ah. I just put up a link, so I'll I'll email you the okay. link. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. I take, I'll yeah. take it. Yeah. I think it's up there right now. Yeah. I'll find it. I will have it. Yeah. I will have it. Um, I want to shift into um, Dilla. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to, t because one of the earliest recordings that I heard of yours was The Suite for Mon Dukes, mm -hmm. um, which is now a documentary DVD. Mm-hmm. Yes? yes? Or a DVD. Um, it is a piece for... A large orchestra, 40 piece, yeah, I think? 60. So, excuse me. <laughs> 60 piece orchestra. And it is, it's not a requiem, is it? Or is it? You know, I definitely have the African approach uh, and, and boost approach to, to death. It's, it's a thing to be celebrated. Yes. Um, just a, a very joyous orchestral um, celebration of... Uh, what many people think is the greatest hip hop producer of all time, and that's cool that you're saying even beyond the the world world yeah, of hip hop, he's a producer. Yeah. And um, yeah, he he was so passionate, and he um, he really studied music from all around the world. Right. Um, and you hear that in his music, and he played many different instruments. Um, and cello was his instrument in high school. And we keep coming back to this. Yeah. I had to yeah. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. I'm just saying. So clearly he had good taste. This uh, is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. And here, my friends, you have it. Our latest episode of the Rockstar Violinist Podcast featuring violist, composer, and arranger Miguel Atwood Ferguson. Even though our podcast title lures you in with the mention of violinists, here at EVS we're committed to introducing you to string players who rock on more than just violin. As you just heard, viola and producing was the flavor of the day. Stay tuned and get ready for more Rockstar Violinists in the next few weeks. I'm Shauna Tucker. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>